Blog Talk Radio. Morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to Hope for Today. My name is Naja E. Brown, your host, and we thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry, and our hope and prayer for our listening audience is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime, and you can reach us through our website at www.yieldtothekingministry.org. Well, welcome to part two of our episode, and it's entitled Discipleship, Each One Teach One, and this is part two. Back on October 9th, I uh, went on air and broadcasted the Discipleship Each One Teach One, which would have been the part one. felt like I hadn't really covered the information the way I wanted to and sort of ran out of time. So I said, okay, tune in in a couple of weeks and we'll go through part two. But just to recap, uh, we talked about making disciples and what does it take to become a discipler or a disciplee. And I mentioned early on as a new Christian, I was introduced to a wonderful discipleship ministry called One-to-One Discipling, and I need to give credit where credit is due. It's by Al and Lorraine Broom, B-R-O-O-M. And as a result of being introduced to this program, it was a ministry, a dear friend of mine discipled me, and I eventually discipled many others. So the stipulation was this, that before you could be a discipler, you had to be discipled by someone so that you too could have gone through the material. And then you're familiar with it, you've learned something, you've made a connection maybe that you would not have normally made, and then you're equipped to move on to start making disciples uh, using the same material. So let me go back over the terms again, because I know it gets a little uh, uh, mind-boggling when you talk about discipleship, discipler, discipling, and disciplee. So the person who is discipling is the discipler, and then the one who is being discipled is called the disciplee, and the activity and or ministry of making disciples is usually called discipleship, a discipleship ministry. One person is usually the teacher and the other is a pupil and or a student, but it really is an opportunity for two people to connect on a, on a more intimate level than just meeting and greeting one another after or before a Sunday worship service or after the worship service or during adult education or Sunday school or whatever. It's an opportunity for you to connect with someone and really dig deep and start laying that solid foundation that will promote uh, spiritual growth and maturity. So let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20 again. In Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, it's the New International Version, reads like this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as a discipler, 
uh, you know, you you take on the responsibility of saying, okay, I'm going to work with this person. I'm going to make sure that my life is transparent. And it, 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 it's not a perfect life. It's it's a life that's also growing and maturing, and in pro- progress. And I'm going to come alongside this person, and I'm going to help build up this person to spiritual maturity. And when you have someone else's interest in mind, a lot of times you reap the blessings. Um, that that you you would be amazed just how you're blessed. And so then the last episode on October 9th, I talked about six practical steps that you can take. And and I I may encourage you to go back to uh, last uh, the last episode and listen to it because it's going to give you the meat. Today I'm just going to be able to highlight because I want to move into the new material that I have for today. So six simple steps. Um, that would help build up a believer to spiritual maturity, and that is to teach a new convert. Now, it says new convert, but a lot of times a discipleship program can be uh, implemented with someone who's a a fairly new believer or someone who's never really had a good foundation laid and they're kind of limping along in their walk. And so you maybe notice that that they're struggling a little bit and and the Lord has put on your heart to, to, to work with this person. So as I say new convert, it can really be applied to someone who has been a Christian for a while but never had that firm foundation, that solid foundation on which to stand. So the first practical step would be to teach a new convert that salvation comes in stages. There's justification first, then sanctification, and then glorification. And again, go back and listen to to part one of this episode uh, so that you can get the meat for that. The number two, the second step is to teach new converts to hate sin and love holiness. So we need to agree with God about what sin is, but we need to hate it so much that we turn away from it, that it ends up not being a part of our life. It's poisonous, and it just wreaks havoc in our life. And to, but we should be about the pursuit of holiness, love holiness, so such that we're doing all that we can to be able to walk in holiness. The third practical step is to hold new converts accountable. We all need an accountability partner. You can't be on this journey by yourself. It's just not feasible. It's not practical and it's not wise. You need someone who's going to come alongside you, care enough about you to be able to gently tell you the things that you need to hear and gently say, I can walk through this with you, but to hold someone accountable. I want to be held accountable. And so I am able to hold others accountable also. The fifth point is to build a community commitment to discipleship. A community can be your actual church fellowship. A lot of times these discipleship programs are a church program or a church ministry. So now you've got a community of people who are committed to making disciples. The fifth one is to offer a clear roadmap to spiritual maturity. So in other words, have a plan. Of course, you're being led by the Holy Spirit, but have a plan and some sort of roadmap. It's not, you don't want to be all over the map with this, but have some sort of plan to, to approach how you're going to walk through laying this, this firm foundation. And then the sixth practical step is to pray fervently for spiritual growth. And that is something that we all should be doing is praying and asking the Lord to just move us and, and make us, mold us and shape us so that we're growing spiritually and that that growth then is, is, is evident and then also we're able to pour into the lives of others. So the four areas, the four key areas to consider are knowledge, which can be factual and experiential, and then faith, character, and action. And so biblical knowledge feeds faith, transforms character, 
and results in good works. And these works, in turn, feed knowledge and cause a cycle of growth toward Christ-like maturity. So today I want to talk a little bit about the book, uh, the one-to-one discipling, and uh, how it is a, a, a very practical way to lay a good foundation and getting someone off to a good start, uh, a new Christian, or maybe let's say a renewed start for someone who's been walking for a while, but they're limping along. And this program is designed for the discipler and the disciplee to get together at least once a week or whatever their schedule is that they are able to come up with that fits both of their schedules. And each person has their own workbook, the one-to-one discipling. Each lesson has verses to read, and then there's a discussion with questions and so on and so forth. But here are the topics that are part of this actual discipling program, discipleship program, I should say, assurance of salvation, attributes of God, the Bible, prayer, the spirit-filled life, fellowship, witnessing, temptation, and then obedience. Picture a ship's helm with the spokes and the handles. Now, that's that, that wheel that the, the captain turns to, to guide and to navigate the ship in the waters. The helm illustrates a Christ-directed life. And right in the center of the helm is Christ. And in between each of these sections of the helm's spokes is one of the topics that I mentioned. So the entire discipleship program is building the solid foundation and allowing the discipler, the disciplee, to gain the knowledge, the biblical knowledge that can either be factual and or experiential, and then to increase faith, build character, and then put it into action. Romans 10:17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All of the topics are equally as important, so you don't want to skip any of these topics. And I, I can't go over every one of them, but I thought I would select one or two to review. So the assurance of salvation. Um, let's, let's, let's just t- take one passage that I want to present, and that is 1 John 5, 11 through 13, New International Version again. And it says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son, verse 12 says, has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Verse 13 says, write, I write these things to you, so you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And I know there's some doctrinal teaching out there that would say that you can uh, lose your salvation, but, uh, you know, I believe that uh, that God would have us to know that we're secure in his calling. If he's called us unto himself and he has sealed us until the day of redemption with the, the, the seal of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and we're walking with him, do we live a perfect life? No. Do we live a life completely without sin? Absolutely not. But we do have forgiveness. First, First John 1 and 9 says that if we you know, confess our sins, that we'll be forgiven of our sins. But we should be assured assured of our salvation let's just take another one the bible second timothy 3 16 uh, 17 and verse 16 says all scripture is god-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness verse 17 says so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work so there's the assurance of salvation in the Bible, and there's so many. There's nine of them. I can't cover them all. But let's talk about fellowship. 
So you don't want to walk this walk alone. You want to connect yourself with other believers. That's the whole purpose of being able to be connected to a church body or a congregation or a fellowship. And Hebrews 10 verses uh, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 25 says, Not giving up meeting together. So you don't want to start isolating and go solo, but not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to come together more often than not and make sure that our close friends and the people that are in our circles are are adding to our our walk with Christ and not detracting from our walk with Christ. So fellowship, Christian fellowship is very important. And then obedience. Let me just cover obedience. And that's in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there you have it. Out of the nine, I was able to cover just a few, and a lot of it has to do with the sake of time. So these questions, though, once you've gone through a discipleship program, these are some questions that you should be able to answer. Uh, or if you can't answer them, just, just entertain them and see if there's a way that you can find an answer for yourself. Do you have the assurance that Christ is in your life? The second question is, do you desire to know God, his attributes, character, his word, and promises? Is the word of God the final authority in your life, the Bible? The fourth question is, do you pray to God regularly? Prayer unleashes God's power. Do you take advantage of sharing Christ Jesus with others? Are you in regular fellowship with believers? Is your daily intake of information, entertainment, activities, etc., influenced by the world or your relationship with Christ? Are you in pursuit of holiness? And then the final question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being the lowest and 10 being the highest, how would you rate your obedience to God? So, on your own, find a discipleship ministry program that works and ask God how and with whom shall you proceed. So, again, pray about it. Know that it's not you doing the work, but the Holy Spirit is, is working through you. God is using you as a vessel. And pray about it. Just pray about it. So, in closing, may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks. God bless you.